This is December 7th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. Welcome back into the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. I hope you guys are having a great day, a great week. And on this episode, Ty Anderson. Ty Anderson has not been on in a while. He's not been on Bruins Beat in quite a long time, but he made his return, his triumphant return to the Bruins Beat Airwaves this past week. And it was a fun episode. So obviously the big thing this week is Tuka Rask is pretty much definitively coming back. So we talked about the effects of that and why it's pretty much all around a good move. Then we get into some Jake DeBrusque trade scenarios, some interesting ones. There's one with Calgary. I think you Bruins fans, you listeners will really, really like. And then one completely off the board trade prediction or trade suggestion that Ty had that I loved. I absolutely loved. He had told me it before and we were kind of, I was kind of like, you're bringing it up now. Like I'm kind of honored you're bringing up such a great idea here. And he did. And it was a good one. So you're not going to want to miss that. And then we discussed the lineup with Marshan coming back. What should the top two lines be? Everyone seems to have an opinion on which, on what the combination should be. And we laid it down. We think our opinion is on it. So never a bad thing. This is a really fun episode, really good episode that I think you guys are all going to enjoy. Every last one of you is going to say, wow, that was 10 out of 10. Anyways, without further ado, here's my conversation with Ty Anderson. And we're here with Ty Anderson. Ty, what is up? What's going on? It only took you like two years to get me on this thing. I know. I know it did. It That's took my me a fault, long time. Though. That is your fault. That is not my fault. That That's is, true. I will not sit here and take the blame for something like that. Uh, that was, that was you. You, you were on a, you were on strike, if I remember right. You, you were on strike from Bruins Beat, which is ridiculous. I think I just said that. I don't know if it actually was like an actual strike. There's not many shows that I'll probably actually strike from. So. I just like, it was one of those things where I was like, no, I don't want to do that. And then you asked me like, nah, maybe later. And then I was just like, mm, no, just, I just disappear. Wouldn't text back. So, uh, we have a reason now though. Finally, right. We're, we're entering my wheelhouse of discussion. So I feel like I had to come for, for this episode. Yes. No, this is a big episode for you. This was, uh, it's a good time of year for you to get back into things and air your grievances about people who, uh, have now taken to Twitter. We'll dive right in. Have taken to Twitter to kind of say, Hey, look, why the Bruins bring him back? Rask, because on Monday, Tuka Rask was at Bruins practice as the e-bug, as the emergency backup goalie. But nevertheless, he was there taking reps with the team, Bruins apparel. It is a hundred percent certain that he will be coming back. It just comes down to when and what the price will be. I would imagine it's not going to be much higher than about like two to three million. Most likely it's going to be that wheelhouse, I would assume. Um, but what people are really up in arms about, and we can get to the price and what you think the price will be for the, for the deal. Uh, but what people are really up in arms about is how does he fit in? Why bring him back? And I would like you to explain how that all works for people so it can be settled once and for all. Yeah. I, I, I just think that like, do people think he's coming back at $7 million? Cause he's not. Do people think he's coming back to be the starter for every single game? Because he's not like, this is a scenario where it is a 
can't lose position for the Boston Bruins, where if you have the ability to maybe have three good goaltenders, why wouldn't you do that? Based on the hell you've been through, right? These last few years where you, know, you either lose defensemen or you lose goaltenders, like just everything that can go wrong tends to go wrong for the Bruins down the stretch or in the playoffs. And if you can have a safety net where you're saying, okay, if we make this move, our number three goalie at the very worst is Tuka Rask, or at the very best is, is Jeremy Swayman instead of Troy Grossneck or Kyle Kaiser. Why wouldn't you do that? Right. And, and so I think there are a lot of things that factor in. Number one is uh, he's a well above average goaltender. And if his hip surgery fixes whatever was going on with him, I mean, he should return to that level. And I think you look at the schedule down the stretch where the Bruins have 35 games in less than 70 days, I'm pretty sure, to end the season. You may very well need all three goaltenders between uh, Allmark, who has an injury history, between Swayman, who's inexperienced and isn't used to the 82-game grind of a regular season, and then Tuka, who's going to be going from 0 to 60. If you can cover all of your bases and for, for cheap money, prorated money, why wouldn't you do that? This is the easiest decision. Out of all the decisions Don Sweeney has to make this year, this is probably the easiest one. And it's funny because a lot of people are now saying, you know, oh, this goes to show the Olmark signing was a bad one. And granted, Olmark has had his struggles to begin the season. He hasn't fully lived to $5 million per, like, obviously. But he's new. And I've said all along this whole time, like, I think at some point he's going to get hot. Like, I think you're going to see him. The numbers are going to... The numbers have not lied the past couple of years. He's going to turn into someone who you can rely on. Um, not to say he isn't now, but that, you know, that, that stealing games has not been Olmark's thing thus far. Neither is Swayman, by the way, except for that game in Nashville. But I just, the fact that I don't think when, when Olmark was signed, I think they really thought Rask was probably done, at least with them. And now he's back. He made the comments after that he would be back, uh, during the summer. And now he looks good. He's ready to go. He'll take a, whole, a huge discount. Like, wh- why would you not take that? Because as you said, like, Omar's injury history, Swayman's a kid. You took a rask right here, who is going to probably play when, when April comes around, when the playoffs, playoffs come around, I would imagine Rask's games total will sit at around like 20? Maybe. maybe. That, that's maybe probably being 20? like, that's probably being like overzealous. Like he's playing every, like he's probably gonna be like 12 to 13, maybe 14, 15. Like it all depends what, like when he signs, obviously. And if the Olympic break factors into that in some fashion, but yeah, no, you're right. Like, like why wouldn't you want that? And, and this is the part, like, unless you are driven by spite and you're saying, no, I don't want him because of what happened in 2013 or 2019 or 2006, you know, whatever. It's it's like okay, well, that's not a good way to manage a team. Like you can't manage on spite. You need to put the best product out there, and I and I have a hard time believing that. You know the way this rotation works out at the again, whether it's Swayman, Allmark, or Rask. If one of those guys is your third string goaltender, you're in a lot better position than pretty much every other team in the NHL. And it's just it's a matter of finding out who is starting in the playoffs. Yeah, but you cross that bridge when you get there, because I do think that ultimately. I want to believe in this team, but I don't know if the swayman Ulmark tandem, if it is the tandem, gets you to the playoffs, right? So that's the other part of it as well. But I, with Ulmark, I didn't hate the contract because, again, I mean, you look at the numbers last year, he had a better 5-on-5 save percentage than Andre Vasilevsky and Marc-Andre Fleury, right? Like, he was directly above those guys. 
um, for, for goaltenders. So I didn't hate that signing and they needed a plan, right? Like they were in on being a win now team. And when you're a win now team, you can't go into it with two rookie goaltenders. It's just impossible. Like I get it. Like the idea of, oh, you can save money by doing it. But if they, if they were not ready, that sinks you faster than a bad defense and faster than not having great center depth. Goal, bad goaltending will sink you faster than anything in the world. So I didn't hate the contract at the time. And all, I think also the other, the other thing at the time was like, as you said, they needed a plan and there weren't a lot of other plans out there. Like I think a lot of people and myself included kind of said at the time, Hey, why not just like maybe get like a Halak type, you know, to just hold their own in net. And I think that's fair. Looking back, I don't know if there was that person. I mean, because Halak, as much as the soft goals kind of piled up as his time went on here, he still held his own. Like, he still was a big reason they got to the Cup in 2019 because he helped Rask get real rest. Um, But Omar, like, is a starter, I think, in this league, for sure. And he's getting paid like it. And I, I, I'm not ready to completely throw in the towel on it. Uh, I don't love the money. I still think it was a little too much, Um, just given... You know, you have Swayman and maybe Rask comes back, but who knows? Maybe if, if Omar doesn't come, chance happens and Rask isn't able to come back and you're left with Swayman and Vladar, which that's the other thing is the Vladar situation where like he looks great up in Calgary, but it's like, that's partially because the defense in front of him is really good. And they're who's absurd. to say he would have had, they're absurd. And who's to say he would have had the same success here? So it's kind of a weird situation. The other thing that I think some people are hung up on, and TJP wrote about this in NBC Sports Boston uh, on Monday, was that you don't want Swayman to go to Providence, to which I would say, why? Yeah, he's why a not? Kid. What, he's yeah. a kid. He didn't even have much time in Providence last season. He, you know, it, all, all he just needs is reps. And not not to throw DJ in this boat because he, I, I know him and I know he's not like this, but a lot of people suddenly think a 918 is untouchable. When Rask was posting 920, 922, and everyone thought it wasn't good enough. Now, now all of a sudden, 918 save percentage is, is untouchable. You can't send that to the minors. It's just funny how that kind of works to me. Like, like, what do you mean? Like, there's still a lot of things that Swayman has to work on or can work on to be a better goaltender. And yeah, to your point, he didn't play a lot in Providence last year. The idea that this is going to ruin him, I think is such hyperbole that it, it borders on insane because you really can't say, Oh, it's going to ruin it. I mean, He's been a pro hockey player for less than a calendar year. What do you mean this is going to ruin him? He's not 27 going back to the minors. He's 23 years old. And I think that patience is never a bad thing with a goaltender. I mean, think about Tuka, right? Like Tuka got thrown to the fire in 2007, 2008 as a 20-year-old. He had some good games and some ugly games. He went down to Providence for a whole year, right? He came up for one game. It was a shutout, I believe, against the Rangers. I think 32, 31 save shutout against the Rangers. That's wild that you just yeah. picked Matt that May. out of the air. I was there. I remember. Uh, I, I, I think Mark Savard scored the game-winning goal. So that's how weird my brain is. Um, <laughs> but but they win that game one nothing, And then you know what happens? He goes right back to the minors. And he's there for the rest of the season. It didn't hurt him. He still went on to become the all-time winningest goaltender in Bruins history. And it won a, won a Vezina, has been to two Stanley Cup finals. Like, patience is never a bad thing. And I think that, you know, uh, the idea that you can't, you can't send Swayman back to the minors because of a 918 is just, it, it's, it's, it's very bizarre to me, I guess. 
And also the other thing with Rask is that in 2009, 2010, he was the starter. And then he lost the job in 2010-11. And he didn't also have the job in 11-12. Talk about mentally, you lose the starting job to an old kind of journeyman goaltender. Like, and he was fine. Like, again, I think you're right. The patience thing matters. It is okay that Swayman goes down to Providence. I would love to see him up in Boston. I think most people in an ideal world would like Rask Swayman as the tandem. But that's not what the tandem is. It's Rask Omark, and you have the option to send Swayman to Providence without having to go through waivers. So fine. What is wrong with that? So yeah. the Rask thing, I think, is fine. I, I like again. I don't know what the price is going to be. What do you think? What do you think the price is going to be? I think pro rated probably around two two and a half million makes the most sense because we don't know how the hip is going to react. I mean, everyone's saying the right things. The reports have been good out of, out of Rask camp and how it's coming along. The timeline hasn't changed much. If anything, maybe it's gone up a week or two, uh, which is, again, encouraging. But you just don't know, right? 34 years old, a lot of miles on him, really. Um, and, he's, I mean, this would be his 15th year in the NHL. I, I mean, so he's been a pro for a while now. Um, and, and so I think that makes the most sense. Ultimately, again, the cap situation, too, he's made it clear that he's going to work with the Bruins to find the right number. It's kind of similar to Joe Thornton with the Sharks, where it's like, Whatever you got left, like we'll find the number that works. I feel like it's it's very comfortable to that. Um, so that makes sense. And and one more thing with Allmark before we move on uh, out of the Allmark discussion, I I think that it's important to remember with Allmark that when weighing the starts against one another, Allmark's got the heavier competition. I, yes, I really do believe I've said that. This. Yes, hundred percent. The road game in Toronto, it's a tough spot. Uh, Road game against Florida when they were undefeated, tough spot. Um, he played well against Florida at home that that Saturday night game against Florida. He also got the Oilers as well. Like he's drawn like the high powered offenses where I think Swayman has gotten a bit of a softer landing here. Um, a, a little, but just a touch lighter. I, I would just say that that's one thing to note with, with all struggles is if we're weighing the goals against and the numbers, Quality of competition, I think, does matter in that respect. 100%. 100%. Cause that, I, I think that has been a legitimate thing. And I don't know if that's intentional or not. Might be. Uh, but I do wonder if this, if the roles were reversed, what the numbers would be. If Omar had Swayman's slate of games, his numbers, I would imagine, would be much better. So that is something to also consider. Pretty safe bet, though, that Rask comes in and helps things out. But when we're talking about safe bets, Ty, Bet Online has you covered. All season, more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football season continues the march to the playoffs, Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use that promo code CLNS50 to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NFL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait. Take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Again, promo code CLNS50, BetOnline, where the game stats. All right. So, Wait a minute. Why, why, why don't you have your own discount code? should be like uh, Evan50. That's what it should be. <laughs> I don't know if Evan50 would do that. I think people might forget it. Uh, I just, oh, I just do what on. they tell me. I just do what they tell me. It should be, I, yeah, it should be like Emar20, which is like my yeah. Instagram handle. So that, that way be, they know it's coming from you. 
you know, and it's like, That's yo, they should. I'm bringing in these uh, these bet online bucks guys. You know, what are we doing? Uh, Can I uh, have my own wing at the casino? You got to do that. <laughs> Can I have my own part of the website, my own section? Yeah, uh, of the of the online virtual Replace casino. I should the do slots that. with just pictures of your face. And that's what yes. it is, is various you pictures can, of you. You can hit it and you can punch it and maybe like coins can go in my mouth. You know, you go whoop, yeah. whoop, whoop. So the, the can, possibilities so are truly endless. 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 This is, I think this is a great promo. I'm going to take this to, to the people who handle these things and say, look, I'm going to take this minute clip and say this. I think this is what we're going to do. Um, okay. Speaking of uh, big things, Jake DeBrusque, this time last week, I believe. It was announced, or it was reported that he. Well, this yeah. time last week for when we're recording, because uh, people will listen to this Tuesday or whenever. But a week ago, Monday, uh, it was reported that Jake DeBrusque requested a trade. People booed him the next night. Um, but now he had to play for a bit. He scored a goal, which was huge. He's been all right. You know, he's been kind of the same streaky player-ish at times. He needs he, he needs a change of scenery for sure. Uh, but now that the Bruins have guys coming back, Marshand off suspension, you can call it from Providence now pretty much. Um, it's kind of time for the trade and we're just kind of waiting for when that's going to hit. What teams, uh, excite you? What teams that he could go to are you going to get the most from and should they package him? Well, I, I, I don't think that they want to package him. I, I think they want to sort of make this trade, get something to help them now, and then make another trade at the deadline for whatever is ailing them at that point in the season. I, I don't think they want to make their move now. So I think the, the DeBrus trade, I, I believe, will be a separate package. Um, so trying to kind of whittle down, like, okay, who makes sense for them? Like, what's a need? The obvious one that everyone keeps talking about is Chicago, right? With Dylan Strom, one for one, DeBrush for Strom. It fits a lot of needs for both teams. Bruins get a center, um, you know, uh, and the Blackhawks get a winger that they that they probably need looking at their offense. So that would they make the most things. sense. Personally, I, I, I don't hate it. I don't love it either, though. Like, it's kind of one of those moves where I feel like everything would kind of be the same. Um, he, he's not a... I shouldn't say Strom was like a bad investment, but I just, the, the concussion history kind of concerns me a little bit with him. I'm a little, like, so I'm a little apprehensive about that kind of trade. I look at Calgary as well. Like there's a potential here for a move that I, I don't know how legit it, it is really. I mean, this is me spitballing, but if you could do a Monahan for DeBrus swap where the Flames clear out some salary, because they got to re-sign Mangiapane, Gaudreau, and Kachuk this offseason. So to get his contract off the books would be a big get. But also, I mean, you know, Monaghan had success in the past. He had an 82-point season a couple of years back uh, with the Flames, but he's now in the third line, right? Like, he could slide into Boston, be in your second line with Taylor Hall, and it's like, you might be cooking with something there, you know? So that's something that I think would excite me. I mean, I look at those two teams as just kind of natural fits for him. Uh, but ultimately, I would move him out west. If I'm the Bruins, I'm not really entertaining trades in the east. Uh, I want, I think out west is where you can get the most bang for your buck, uh, trading him to Western Canada or, or to a team in the Pacific somewhere. Yes. I also think that's good for DeBrusque too. I think he would probably ideally want to be in Western Canada. And I think, because I think a lot of people think this, and I, I remember I was, Connor was saying this as well. We were both saying this, uh, last year around the deadline. You know, wherever he goes, he's going to put up 
goals, right? Like, you yeah. know, he's just going to find a way to score 25 or 30 goals a season. And we're going to hear about it all the time. We get to tweet about it and all that stuff. Um, but the Monahan thing excites me because you get a legit second or third line center with Monahan. And if you put yeah. him with the correct line mates in a good situation, that's, you, you got something there. Because again, then you can have that third line of potentially Halla, Coyle, and, um, and Smith. Well, no, actually. No, because you probably have to keep stuff. You could have Hall of Coil and, and Felino or Smith, basically. Whatever, yeah. however you want to, you know, work it out. I mean, that's what you could do. I mean, what, what gets me excited about that kind of trade is I, I love it because, you know, Monahan's due some money, right? But he's not due money for the next eight years, right? You're taking on the final two years of his current contract, which, if you're the Bruins, you can probably afford to make that gamble right now because you have McAvoy signed. And I think Postnock's up next, obviously. But like you have this little window here where you can take on a contract that's six and a half million dollars and it's not the end of the world. Just based on what you've done to this point. So that's another reason for it. You're not buying in on five years at six and a half million. You're buying in on two years of it. It's much more palatable, I think, if you're the Bruins. And also this team does not have a lot to trade away. So again, if you can find a way to swing DeBrusque, I feel like it would take one more thing though to get Monahan. I feel like it couldn't, could it really just be a one for one swap? I feel like it would have to be like DeBrusque a prospect or DeBrusque well, and a know, prospect for Monahan. It, it all depends too on like on, on what Calgary is sort of dealing with in terms of, um, their situation. Like, do they believe that Dylan Doobie could be a third line center? Like he, that's his natural position. He's played the wing for a large chunk of his Calgary career. He started the preseason, I believe, at center and then moved back to left wing. But, like, do they believe in him being that guy? Because if they do, that's – you're okay with that because you got to get that contract out of the way. you got to get that off the books to keep the core of your team together. And I think Monaghan has proven – or not proven, but but he's not really part of that new core, right? Like, that new core is what it is with Kachuk – um, Manjapani and Lindholm and Hannafin, like, so he might be part of that, you know, like he may have fallen out of frame, similar to how DeBrus has fallen out of frame in Boston. So for them, it may be just like getting rid of that contract. And you talk to Flames fans and, and they're pretty eager to get rid of that contract. So it may not take a sweetener, honestly, just given Calgary's cap situation. That's true. And the, the, the idea of the cap and, and kind of shedding that money would be like getting another prospect or something in return. And the other thing is if they can do that, right? If you can do DeBrusque for Monaghan, that you get a center. You don't need to add one at the deadline. You can focus on potentially adding a defenseman at the deadline. That's mm -hmm. like, that should be your number one priority. I also think that you could potentially, if this all worked out, you would get Rask back. You'd be upgrading your net, getting a Sean Monaghan in the center. You're definitely upgrading down the middle and your, your offense is much better. And if you go out and get a D at the deadline or whatever, you upgrade on D. That's a much better team. Like that's a, that's a contender. Right now I would say the Bruins are a middle of the pack team. If you do that, right? Monahan, Rask, and a defenseman. I don't have a name off the top of my head. Apologies, but you do a defenseman. You're a better team. You're, mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know about saying Stanley Cup contender, but you are much better off. Giordano? You want to swing for the fences and go Giordano? It's not a terrible idea. I don't hate that. I mean, your left side could use that. Could use something. Yeah. I mean, because you can – I mean, if Zaboral, which we still have not heard the deal with Zaboral, correct? 
There's yeah, been nothing there's been no update out of Bruins. No, uh, which is odd. Which, yeah, I think it's pretty obvious. It's not a not a great injury. I mean, it didn't look it anyways, unless it's just a no. really bad swelling kind of injury, which is would be surprising to be honest. But yeah, do we want to unload the idea that we were discussing in the group chat last night? Do we want to do we want to talk about that idea, or do you want to save that? What do you want to do? Ah, uh, you can you can let it fire because it was your idea. Yeah, it was your I, idea. I mean. I'm, I wasn't going to bring it up because I didn't know if you wanted to like do it on your thing, but you can absolutely. No, no, we can say it wherever. We can say it wherever because it's going to get out there eventually. It's true. All right. So Vegas is going to have Jack Jack Eichel coming back soon. Yeah. Or not soon, but in theory, sometime this season. He's got to When that happens, they have to clear over $10 million in cap space. If you're the Bruins, why aren't you jumping on some sort of package? This is independent of DeBrusque, I would imagine, just because of the whole money aspect. Why why aren't you jumping on, like, getting William Carlson and Braden McNabb or William Carlson and Riley Smith? Like, some sort of combo like that where all of a sudden now you've stacked the deck and you've probably done it for pennies on the dollar because Vegas has to get rid of these guys. They can't keep them. They, they're over the cap. They have to get rid of them. I mean, think about when they traded Nate Schmidt, right? That return wasn't anything substantial, despite Schmidt being one of their best defensemen, right? Like, was I think that a it was second a, or a third? It was. A, I think it was, it was a nothing. third. I want to say it, was it wasn't a even a second. Like, I, I, I want to say it was a third. I might be mistaken on that, but like, you know, the whole league knows they got to move these guys, right? So it could be a, a potential bidding war, but if you could get Carlson and McNabb or Carlson and Smith or Smith and McNabb, like whatever way you want to work it out, like you can substantially upgrade your team at a relatively fair price, you would imagine. So that's something that, that could be a deadline move for them as well. Yeah. And again, like I, I think this Bruins team, again, I mean, I, I haven't seen enough to, in other situations, if you took the, the way the Bruins are, you would say, I don't know if you really want to go all in, right? You do want to kind of build a little bit for the future, keep the first round picks, which I don't think you have to give in any of these deals we've mentioned, by the way. I don't think you're giving up your first in any of them. Hurdle would be the only one that was close. Yeah. But you look at Marshan and McAvoy and Pasternak. You don't know how much – I don't want to mention this, but you don't want – you don't know how much longer you're going to have Pasternak for because that deal, whether you re-sign him or not, which is something we can completely get to another day, right? But you have – you're probably going to have Rask back. Go for it. Go, go for, for it. it. You go absolutely for it. go for it because Marshan's going to suck. Just embrace the suck of the future and try yes. to make today as best you can. That that could be on a T-shirt. I think that is on some T-shirts. Um, what embrace the suck? Embrace the suck. That is the thing. <laughs> Frank gets um, kicked out of some places. <laughs> but but I do think though that go all in. Like, and my whole thing goes back to Marshan. Like I think Marshan is a top potentially top five player in the league. When you have one of those guys on your team, you don't waste those years. Mm-hmm. You go for it. And I think with this crew, do it. Like, I think there are, as you said, there are, there are situations around the league you can pick from. The DeBrusque might be a blessing in disguise because you might upgrade your team in an area where you need to upgrade, as you mentioned, the center, um, that you might not have been able to do otherwise. Maybe you don't trade DeBrusque if he doesn't ask for a trade. So lots of interesting scenarios, uh, with trading, but let's discuss the guys who the Bruins do have. By the way, I love the idea of William Carlson on the Bruins. Wild Second Bill, baby. Center. Bring him in. Wild Bill with, t- with Taylor Hall on his left. And, uh, and maybe Craig Smith on his right. Are you kidding me? Like, hell yes. It's a good um, line. You think they can upgrade on the right side on D? You think they need to? I mean, I think they do, but do, do you think they're able to? Yeah, I, I, those are deals that, 
you can kind of make on deadline day because you have teams that are sitting there going, oh, God, we're going to keep this 30-year-old UFA to be. Why are we doing this? And then the price will come down. Like, you can get, like, a Nick Holden type, right, for a third-round pick, a fourth-round pick. And I think that was key with the Vladar trade, right, is recouping that third-round pick for this year. Uh, that They traded it for the Mike Riley trade, and they get a new third-round pick, basically, from Calgary to replace it. So uh, that adds your trade capital, your trade arsenal, whatever you want to call it. Um so you can make a move there. So, yeah, I think a third pairing right shot D shouldn't be hard to find on the trade market. Um, but you got to try to beat other teams to the punch, right? And so that's sort of the challenge where you don't want someone else setting the market for you where some stupid team comes in and they throw a second round pick for a third pairing guy. Now the whole market's out of whack. So this is something that I think the Bruins need to get a little bit better at is setting the market. It seems like they're often chasing prices that have been established by Tampa or Pittsburgh before them, or, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like they're always, they're always making the move after someone else made it. So I think that's a challenge within itself. So we can, we'll see if they can do that. Um, But I think that's, you know, these are all sort of things that we're talking about. You know, you mentioned going in uh, me mentioning setting the prices. Like these are all things that I think the Bruins by now should have realized that half measures aren't really working you know, time, you don't have a, a ton of it on your side. So make the big splash, right? Swing for the fences, get the, get the stop, the, the, the top guy available and go from there. So I, I just think that the, the, the missteps of the past, especially with Sweeney and Neely kind of, I think managing f- for their jobs to a certain degree um, will make this team more desperate and more hungry on the trade market this time around. And maybe I'm wrong about this, but wasn't the Rick Nash trade kind of like that? Like, wasn't Nash, if I remember correctly, he was one of the bigger fish at the time. Um, and it just didn't work. He had concussions and you gave up, you know, a fir- it was, what was the first Lindgren, who's now doing great for the Rangers, great yep. partner for Adam Fox. And I forget what and else. Spooner and Bolesky Spooner. at, uh, yep. at 50% retained, I believe. So yes. Yeah, they made a they made a slew of trades around that time. It was kind of hard to keep up because they also acquired Holden in a separate trade involving a third round pick and Robbie O'Gara. So it almost felt like one big trade, but it but it but it wasn't. No, like they've done it right. Like they have, but but even then, Nash came with some question marks, some concerns. You know, like but like they were in on Mark Stone right the following year. Didn't really pan yep. out. Uh, Paul Mary is another guy that they were in on for what felt like years. And he goes to Islanders and plays a massive role in bouncing you from the playoffs. Like, right. So, you know, they were in a McDonough. McDonough goes to the, to, to the lightning instead and plays a big factor in eliminating you as well. So I think that's an area where I'm talking about Blake Coleman, another one where it's like, you know, they, they get beat to the punch on certain guys. And, and I would really hate it if say, you know, they have a need here. Right. And, and the lightning jump on it because points out or Stamkos gets injured again, whatever the case may be. And they come in and swoop a, swoop a second line center or a third line center that you could really use. So that's an area that I, I want to see the Bruins set the market and, and, and make that sort of desperation trade, if you will. Tone setting all about the tone setting. Uh, before we do get to the lineup, I do want to talk about for a second, Cannabis, our good friends over at INSA, Massachusetts premier cannabis dispensary, INSA, I-N-S-A. They're the premier because the founders, Pat and Pete, have re-engineered the cannabis model from what they sell to how they sell it while never forgetting it is for everyone. INSA dispensaries are inviting and modern, so come in even if just to learn more. 
Staff are authorities on the science who answer every question from differences between flowers and concentrates to offerings for insomnia and anxiety or just want to hang out with some friends. Ansa has a world-class head chef too and only hires the most respected growers who perfected their craft when it wasn't so legit. One last thing, the Ansa founders aren't just these bros from Silicon Valley, but lifelong pals from Springfield, Massachusetts. So there's another local team to root for, and that is Insa. In Salem, East Hampton, Boston Delivery, and two Springfield locations, including just off I-91, beside the MGM Casino, mentioned we said to stop by for a sweet t-shirt. Mentioned that we said to stop by. You get a t-shirt for a penny. Hand them a penny, you get a cool-ass t-shirt. Go to Insta.com or 877-500-INSA. Remember to say that Bruins Beat sent you. So in some way, I guess that's like my promo code. So... But there you go. Every that time is, you look at your phone, nice every you time have, you look, you have the uh, the straight edge kit on for the weed commercial. That's always good. Yeah, I know. Well, I know. Yeah, that's that's the time of the year, I guess. Um, I do. I every time you looked at your phone, I was worried there that like DeBrusque had gotten traded or something had happened because when I was recording Marina last week, uh, something broke. It wasn't the DeBrusque thing. Oh, it was the Marshan suspension. Yeah, Marshan suspension broke midway through, so that was that was fun. Um, speaking of the Marshan suspension, he is back. He is going to be back, and his first game, of course, is against Vancouver on Wednesday. Uh, but so the big question with Marshan returning is Taylor Hall looked pretty damn good with David Pasternak and Patrice Bergeron. So a lot of people are saying, "Hey, why not just like keep that together? Seem to work for the most part. Marshan's great. You know, kind of a line driver. You can put him with Coyle and Smith, and kind of see how that works." And I don't like that. I don't like that at all. And I'll tell you why. Because, and I know you believe the same thing I do on this. I think the right move is you always keep Marshian and Bergeron together. You put Smith with them and you move Hall. I mean, you, you move Pasternak down with Hall and Coyle. I think that's the move. Like, I think you make, you get the most out of that. What are the chances they do this though? Because I feel like it's very slim that they actually make that kind of move yeah i mean it feels slim right because cassidy has rarely if ever had any sort of appetite for breaking up that first line and but it does make sense right because i i do think that bergeron and martian have proven they can play with just about anybody i i think some of the only players who didn't work out with them are brett Connolly, uh the late jimmy hayes and i want to say there was like one other guy who didn't really didn't really blend the way that it should have blended uh, but you can was really Vitr- put was, was Vitrano up there? He may have no. been. He may have been. I don't know. I, I, but you know, for the most part, they fit with anybody. And you go back to last year before they acquired uh, Taylor Hall. Craig Smith was phenomenal with them. I thought that's really what got him going as a Bruin, got him on the board, m- momentum, confidence, all of that. So that's proven that can happen. So if you want to keep this Hall connection together right like you do it with Pasternak and with Coyle as their center because I do think that's the line that can bring the best out of all three guys um the one thing I'd worry about though is is can Coyle and Hall do the dirty work that Bergeron and Marchand do to get Pasternak those you know those great setups there where he's all alone right right between the circles and can fire it you know whatever the case may be so that's a concern there but yeah the idea of ever breaking up Bergeron and Marchand it, I, I do this thing where people bring it up and I automatically tune out because I'm like, no, that's, that's not happening. Like they, 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 they have never done that. They never will. Like, so it, it feels very silly to think about it, but breaking Pasternak away from them that we've seen before, right? We've seen Krejci with, with Pasternak before. So there's at least some sort of bit of, uh, of a precedent there that they've done it before. 
So I could see it happening. I mean, I don't think it will, but it is a combination that intrigues me because I do think that ultimately it spreads out the scoring a bit uh, more evenly, but also allows you to get a deeper look at if Hall and Pasternak have some sort of chemistry going on. And also I think Pasternak and Hall being on the same line, those are two guys that you would typically kind of game plan for-ish. You know, you're, you're making sure to cover them. Pasternak draws a lot of attention, leaves Hall open, leaves him more space to to use his speed, which we saw a ton of uh, in the past three games. I mean, how many times did in the past three games did Hall take it himself, enter the zone on his own, and sort of start to set something up? You do that with Coyle. I mean, Smith is great with, you know, Coyle and Hall, but I don't think Smith draws the attention that David Pasternak does and doesn't give Hall that kind of space. So to me, I, I'm in favor of doing that. Do I think they will? Probably not off the start. You might see it like mid game just for, right. cause that's typically what they do. They do it for like 40 minutes in the middle of a game. Um, but I don't know. I, so I would like them to do it again. Like I've always said, I mean, cause their, their big issue for a while now has been you shut down that first line. There's no scoring after it. Why not make it so you have two legit lines? I mean, is, you know, is, is Hall, Coyle, Pasternak a potential first line? Probably not just because of Coyle and him being a fringe second line center, but that's pretty damn good. Yeah. That's pretty damn good. So I don't see like the huge issue with that. Um, the other I part don't know of how Mar- is, I think I bought in on it when I shouldn't say bought in on it totally, but I, I came around to the idea where there was that play in, uh, I, I believe it was the third period of Saturday's game where Pastrana makes that, just that flip pass through the neutral zone land and Taylor Hall gets it and drives right to the net, gets a great scoring chance. And it's like, wow, these guys are starting to to get on the same page here. Like this is, this might be the start of something. So I, for that reason, I am, I am interested in seeing it, but I, I, I don't think we're gonna, but I mean, game against Vancouver, may not be the worst time to try it if you're going to try it at all. You know, a game against a bad team is might be when you want to give that a look and if it doesn't work after a period to go back to the business as usual. See, I would I would want to see a whole game. I would. I would. Vancouver. I, listen, I would as well, but there's a lot of things I want to see if this coaching staff doesn't do. <laughs> you know, like they're they're not the most patient group for for a number of reasons, but uh I I think that that's something that you know, that could help them ultimately long term cuz uh, but long term, again, I mean, this is, goes back to a trade. I I, I want to see Coyle and Hollow together because I liked that. I liked that combination a lot. So I want to see more of that. But that can't happen until the Bruins add another center, preferably on that second line. And uh, you mentioned the patience thing. That's part of why Jake DeBrusque is on his way out the door. Not a lot of patience yeah. uh, with that. When do you think that happens? When? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, when Sweeney finds the weeks. deal, but. I would say three, three weeks. weeks because I, I do think there's an element of uh, trying to get the best trade, not the first trade uh, that's offered to you. And so I think that uh, they got to drum up a little bit of a bidding war here. Like they got to, they got to up the ante with some teams. I uh, say, okay, that's great. But someone's has offered me this. What can you do? You know, if you can create some sort of bidding war, especially uh, potentially within that division with Calgary and Edmonton and Vancouver, I mean, Vancouver is likely rebuilding, but you know what I mean? Like, if you can say, hey, well, you know, the same team that you're chasing or vice versa also wants him, you can maximize your return because this is a necessary part of Don Sweeney's job, something that I think the front office hasn't been particularly great at um, under his under his leadership is like they never seem to trade guys for the proper return versus what they could have gotten, say, two years prior. 
but if you can have a bidding war, right, 12 teams reportedly interested in him, you got to get something good. And I, so I think if you take the first trade that's offered to you, I think you're a sucker. Um, and I think DeBrusque has also held up his end of the bargain here where, where he's playing well, right? Like he's not playing great, but he's passing, right? He looks better than he, than he has, I think, for large stretches this season. So, uh, he knows the best way to get out of town is by playing well. And I think the Bruins know that if he plays well, they can get a better return. So everyone wins in that scenario. Everybody wins. Hopefully that's what ends up happening. Uh, Ty, before you go, what can the people look forward to over at 98.5? And what should they know about Sports Hub Underground? Oh, it's just a podcast with two idiots, uh, myself and Matt. Uh, just having some fun with it and totally rebranding what we used to do. Uh, we hated that sidelines name so much. We really did. Uh, and, and so this one is a little bit, di- a little bit different, a little bit, you know, I don't want to say less prepared. Cause it's a bad way of saying it, but like, it's more, we just shoot from the hip and we talk about, you know, whatever we want to talk about. We don't feel boxed into a certain subject or whatnot. So, uh, we like that. And, and on the website, um, you know, we'll have some coverage of this upcoming road trip, uh, taking up fall, obviously following the DeBrusque angle, see what's happening there. The Tuca angle, see what's happening there. But, um, yeah, I think right now we're. We're getting into that sort of nitty gritty of the season where we're trying to keep pace with everything, but also not burn out because no one wants bad coverage in January and February. So a little bit of a balancing act, I suppose. Well, you've been doing a great job. A lot of stuff over at 98.5, the sports hub. Make sure to go do that. And when can people look forward to sports up underground? What day does that drop? Uh, we, uh, well, we record on Wednesdays and episodes drop Thursday. Uh, however, Matt is going on vacation. So I think we might be recording earlier. So. So this might be Ooh. happening. So we'll we'll keep uh keep your eyes peeled to my Twitter, uh sifting through the arguments to find the good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, they will. People make sure to go listen to that when it drops. Anyways, for CLS Media, I'm Evan Marinovsky. You Bruce B listeners, have a great rest of your week. <laughs>